TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features aren't available in all states, but in just the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com. You'll see upfront pricing information and you can lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, true car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time. Save money. Never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Bienvenido al Solido Verbo. Me amo Ty Ildenbrand. Y su nombre es Dan Rubenstein. Hello, boys and girls. How was that, Dan? Did that sound Spanish enough? You know what, Ty? You did great with it. Yeah? You really did. You told me how to say that like 15 seconds ago. Uh, and I think you killed it. I really... It made me miss you, Ty. Is that the police? It is indeed the police. La policia! Yeah. Can we license this song? <laughs> I don't we'll know if we can. playing it shortly. Well, it is good to hear your voice again, sir. How are the shows without me? Uh, they were really fun. And, you know, it's never the same without you, but... Uh, I'm glad that we could keep the verbal train going. Ryan Nanny did a fantastic job in your stead, uh, brought something new and different to the show. I mean, I suppose anybody that isn't you would be new and different. Technically. Because you are the solid verbal, sort of in the way that um, that Vinny Chase is Queens Boulevard. Right. Um, you are the solid verbal. It's fantastic to have you back. If you didn't, if you're listening to this and you didn't watch Ty and myself reconnect via video last night, this would be the first time you're hearing us, but you should go watch that because we answer a bunch of uh, listener questions. This is very, very true. Yes. And big thanks again to Ryan Nanny, a.k.a. Celebrity Hot Tub. Mm -hmm. I did have a chance to listen to all three shows that you posted. Shout out to Barry Reed, by the way. Barry Reed, the uh, <laughs> the conversation on Barry Reed, the pool supplyman in Tucson, Arizona, slayed yeah. me while I was on a Mexican treadmill. Good. Um but big thanks to Ryan. He did a great mm -hmm. job. Very knowledgeable. I enjoyed the shows. The only thing I haven't listened to yet is the end of the Bruce Feldman show. And I know you talked about the best dress bracket. Oh, yeah. He had strong thoughts. You're not going to believe this. But Bruce really passionately wanted to talk about the worst and best dress sports writers the, that the Belk Bowl has put on a bracket about. So uh, I would say that is worth your while. You and anybody else that hasn't yet listened. I will, I will have to go back and uh, and listen to that. So look. Some stuff happened while I was gone. Yeah. It wasn't quite earth shattering, but I think now we are setting up for a really, really nice week 11. That's oh, what yeah. I'm taking away from this because things are aligned. The stars are aligned for a really wild week 11. I see week 11 as a potential week six part. Duh. 
yeah, the, the big difference between a, a fun week 11 that we appear to uh, to see as fun and week six is we know so much more about teams where it's a much more educated guess, whereas week six, we don't know non-conference strengths. Week six, there was still the fallacy of teams like Texas A&M's a good team, really. Yeah. We promise you. Um, whereas now we are armed with so much more information that we are confident that we will have multiple good games between ranked teams, which is the dream. November is the dream. And as much as people love the national championship and bowl games and what have you conference championships there, November is the apex. And as fun as those things are, it is all downhill from November. Well, we've got six really big games to get to, but before we do, breaking news. (laughs) What is that? Not really breaking, but the new playoff rankings are out. True. They're going to do this now every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, there's an ESPN show. I can't imagine the actual committee was super enthusiastic about it, but enthusiastic, yeah. Um, But ESPN, the playoff is their property. They should formulate their programming, form their programming around the playoff, and by all means should be doing this. The number of people on Twitter posting things along the lines of, just give us the rankings already was a little bit mind-boggling, if I don't say (laughs) so myself. I haven't watched either of the playoff reveal shows Neither have I, and I've been in the country the whole time. So your new playoff rankings, Mm -hmm. Mississippi State 1, Florida State 2, Auburn 3, and then your Oregon Ducks rounding out the top four Mm -hmm. at number four. It will be interesting to see what happens after this week. Now, Oregon's got Utah. Mm-hmm. Utah isn't quite up to the level of Alabama's opponent this weekend. Not Correct. quite up to, I think, the level of TCU's opponent this weekend. I'm curious to see if Bama knocks off LSU, if TCU knocks off K-State, if one of those two teams jumps the Oregon Ducks. But right now, that is your top six. Mississippi State, Florida State, Auburn, Oregon, your next two out are Alabama and TCU. Do you have any fundamental issue with the rankings as they are placed in front of you? Not not the top six. Okay. Not the top six. I think as you progress down through the bottom part of the top ten, K-State, Michigan State, Arizona State, Notre Dame, I want to know where the love for Michigan State's coming from. Um, where is that love coming from? Because that story, the Michigan State story, isn't all that different from the Notre Dame story. And everyone's down on Notre Dame. But what I mean, Michigan State lost pretty badly to Oregon and beat, I think, an average Nebraska team. Where Where's the love? Nebraska's a ranked team. Okay, it's still an average team, though. Uh, in your opinion, they're average. Yeah. They beat a they beat a what appears to be a pretty good Miami team. They they have they have perhaps the best running back in the nation. Um, I think they're decently good. I don't know if average is that's a that's a strong word. Notre above Dame is, average above average. Notre Dame has beaten precisely zero ranked opponents. You are correct. So I think that's I don't know if it's love. It's I would classify it more as fact. But um, I don't think there's a strong distinction between Michigan State and Notre Dame at any point. They're, they're both one loss teams. One has a slightly better resume and there are weeks and weeks left in the season. There, there are. Yeah, that's why it's stupid to get caught up on the rankings. I, I will be also very curious to see what happens if Notre Dame's able to beat Arizona State or conversely, sure. if ASU beats Notre Dame, because ASU barely beat number 17 Utah and managed to jump five spots into the top 10. You really hate it when teams beat ranked teams, don't you? No, I don't. No. <laughs> Arizona State say, had the goal no, to I'm beat a ranked is, Utah team. No, all I'm all I'm implying is that there is a recency component to this ranking system. 
kind of like the iTunes podcast rankings where what have you done for me lately well, stands for something. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying if Notre Dame beats the number nine team in the new playoff rankings, I want to see how high they jump. Yeah. Arizona State, I would feel like is a more inflated team big just time. because I, I don't think time. people. Well, wait, wait. I don't say big time because they've beaten USC. They have a better head to head matchup against Stanford than Notre Dame does. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they, I feel like they have more quality wins at this point, but they also, their loss is a lot worse than Notre Dame's. I mean, we're comparing two teams, not in the playoff at this point. Uh, their loss was terrible to UCLA and, um, they've beaten two ranked teams four if you're counting at the time or three at, at the time of, if you're counting Notre Dame, then Stanford was definitely ranked at this point. It's a better resume, but guess what? We have like 48 hours until or 72 hours until it'll be decided on the field. We, we will get to this game. Let's not give too much away. The only other news that I have here is injury related. Yeah. Out for the season. Justin Worley from Tennessee. Connor Halliday, Washington yeah. State. Laquan Treadwell from Ole Miss. A horrible way for Ole Miss to lose to Auburn. Definitely. He's out four months because of his injuries that he sustained uh, at the end there, which is a really horrible Huge way for bummer. Ole Miss to yeah. go down. Um, also, it appears that Deshaun Watson is healthy from his broken right hand, although Clemson mm -hmm. may not play him since they're playing Wake. Right. Amir Abdullah is expected to play this week. Bo Pelini likes his chances. And uh, Jameis Winston apparently had a bit of a uh, an ankle injury. They think yeah, he's he was he was hobbled fine. near the end of that Louisville game. I don't know how much of that game you saw, but yes, there. And that is still a Florida State team with a number of injury issues all over the field, especially on defense. The linebackers it was something like five or six out of their scholarship linebackers against Louisville were out. So uh, that is still very much a beat up team. And I would say more beat up than any of the other teams in the playoff. Absolutely. Yeah. I tried to watch the game, Dan. It only works on the iPad. Mm. If you've got like a VPN app, right? I had a few people tell me about VPN apps that I could download for free, get a 14 day free trial. And uh, after I was able to get that app on the iPad, then I was able to watch. But it was still spotty at best. I had to go back and look at highlights and things like I don't like doing that. But your options are somewhat limited when you're in the great country of Mexico. This is true. Shall we get to our games? I feel like it's time. Damn. Mr. Rubenstein, yeah. or should I say Mr. Rubenstein? Without looking, do you know how to say 11 in Espanol? Uh, uno, dos, I'll, I'll tres. I'll count you into it. Siete, ocho, nueve, nueve diez. diez. Uh, I used to know. It is, it is spelled. Once is correct. Yes. You didn't even need my hint. Congratulations. No. Thank you. Don't ask me to go to 12, though. Do you know how to say week? Uh, no. Semana. Semana. Yeah. We're working up to a spot where we can eventually do this show in all Spanish. Oh, yeah. If we can, if we can crisscross Latin America with this show and it's uh, viviendo la vida de fútbol. Sounds dangerous. All right. <laughs> 12 p.m. It's at noon. It's on Fox Sports 1. All the fun's on Fox Sports 1. Oh, first so much fun. Demasiado. The first of our big six games here for week 11 Baylor on the road at Oklahoma, Oklahoma, a five and one half point favorite. Dan, you look at the line. Yeah. And two questions come to mind. If you're a normal, rational college football fan, which I'm not right. Why is Oklahoma favored first and foremost? Mm -hmm. Secondly, why is Oklahoma favored by this much? Five and a half. 
I have the answer for you, Mr. Rubenstein. <laughs> what is that answer? The answer is the cat's bump, Dan. Is that what it is? The cat's bump, for those who are playing the home game, applies to any team whose campus is located within 50 miles of a running showing of Cats the Musical. Mm-hmm. In this case, that team is Oklahoma. We've got our chief Cats correspondent, Taylor. He's been on the case all year. He has determined mathematically, I've got a spreadsheet to prove it. Mm-hmm. The Cats bump is actually a defensive bump. It's real. It's a defensive bump. Okay. The opposing team scores on average five points less. There's your five point spread right there. There it is. That's it. Oklahoma by five and a half. So who do you got? Um, I think I have Oklahoma and it's partially anecdotal, which is stupid. And it's partially because Baylor on the road and this, it's not anecdotal. They've played, uh, I'm looking at power conference teams or just road games in the big 12, Iowa state, Texas, and West Virginia. They played those games to varying degrees of turdness. Mm. Some, some was, some of that was a full turd. Some of it was semi turd, whatever the case may be. Baylor on the road has not been impressive this year. They looked fantastic against Kansas last week, which you should look, but it's never easy in college football. It's still a, a, a big 12 team. Uh, they of course looked fantastic offensively against TCU, Oklahoma at home. I think that they're, I don't think I know they're getting much healthier. Uh, the defense has gotten a little bit better. They play Iowa state last week and that's not a huge indicator, but Iowa state's still a tough team um, at times. And uh, I think Trevor Knight, especially as a dual threat, his passing has been decently good since the Texas game, but on the ground, he was great last week as was Alex Ross, as was Samaj P Ryan. So I think there are enough offensive weapons. And even though I like the Baylor defense, I still have questions about Baylor injured on the offensive line going against this Oklahoma front that is talented with striker and Phillips. I, I think Oklahoma should do enough both on the ground and through the air to protect its own secondary from constantly being burnt. And I, I just worry about Baylor able to Baylor and their ability to win late with their injuries and, you know, having so much of their depth tested. Whereas last year, even late when they did have the injuries, they still had their receivers. They still had their running backs, Glasgow, Martin, Shocklinwood, and Lake Seastrunk all available to varying degrees. They don't have that this year. So I think I am going with Oklahoma here by just barely covering. Um, I'm going to say 38, 31 Sooners. I have 37, 31 Sooners down on my crib sheet. I, I believe that, too. I, I, you know, you you talk about Baylor's schedule, some of the teams they've played. Let's, talk, let's yeah. look at Oklahoma. Please. Because Oklahoma's dropped off the radar a bit, but the only two losses this season were close and against TCU and Kansas State. Yes. So, those cl- are not the- bad losses, Dan, just because Oklahoma may not be a playoff contender at this point. I would say the Kansas State loss is a bad loss, not because of how good or bad Kansas State is, but because of the way they lost. Because of the way they lost. I'll give you that. Sure. But this is still a really talented team. Maybe not as consistent as we hoped at the start of the season, but I still like Oklahoma a lot. And meanwhile, you mentioned Baylor. They played two decent teams. They're one and one. They could very Mm -hmm. easily be 0 and 2 in those games. Yeah. I just have more questions about Baylor. It is not as much of a known quantity at this point. So I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win the game outright. Because I'm not sold on Baylor, because I still like Oklahoma, I like their rushing attack, mm-hmm. and I think it has a really big game against this Baylor front. The line is speaking to me 
above all else, it's speaking to me. This is an Oklahoma line. Somebody knows something. Also, it's Oklahoma's last big chance to sort of make a mark in the Big 12. It's their de facto national championship game. You know Are they I moving like- to Tokyo next year? Perhaps. <laughs> their last, you know, last chance this season. Okay. This season, not next. <laughs> yeah. I like their chances here. I think they win the game 37-31. Okay. So we generally are actually not generally. We very specifically agree. We very specifically do. Let's stay in the Big 12. Let's jump around. Usually I go in chronological order. Right. We got another huge one. Let's talk about K-State at TCU. Mm-hmm. TCU, a six-point favorite. Game's on Fox, 730. I believe this is the Gus Johnson game, which stands for something for sure. This is Chris the Capper's lock. Let's have a listen. Hey, guys. Chris the Capper here. Another win last week on an Oregon blowout. We're now 9-4 and four on the year. For this week, let's take Kansas State plus six at TCU. Really like this TCU team. After they blew it against Auburn way back in the middle of September, they've rattled off five straight wins, including a nice road win at Oklahoma, really blowing out everyone else uh, on the schedule. TCU needed five turnovers and a last-second field goal to beat West Virginia. The other two games that they played of uh, you know equal talent, lost by three to Baylor uh, and beat Oklahoma by four. I just think six points is too much to give. Uh, a Bill Snyder coach team and what is essentially an elimination game for the playoff as well as first possession in the Big 12. So I think this is going to be another back-and-forth game. Let's take TCU to win but not cover. I like the Horn Frogs 35-34. to 34. All right, so he's got K-State mm-hmm. to cover this point spread. He likes TCU, thinks six points are too many. It's too many. Uh, this is an elimination game, Dan. It is also, I think, the last real chance for TCU to lose because, let's be honest, they should probably be undefeated right now. The loss to Baylor was a kick in the teeth. If the Horned Frogs get a win here against the top 10 team, there's a pretty good chance they're winning out and making that playoff at the end of the year. Fairly good chance. Nothing really to like about Kansas, Texas, or Iowa State after this game. Though at Texas, with key cogs playing well on defense for Texas. And if Trevon Boykin is off, maybe they get bad weather in Austin. It's windy and cold, which it could be in Austin. Maybe something strange happens and they lose like 17, 13. But man, I that's not that's not happening eight or nine out of ten times. Let, let me ask you a question now. Let's agree that it's hard not to like TCU. In this game or in general? Just in general. Okay. I totally agree. Fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They've been great for the most part at not shooting themselves in the foot. They lead the nation in turnover margin. Yep. The question here, can they continue getting the breaks for one more game against a K-State team that is also really solid in terms of defensive fundamentals? Yeah, I think TCU, in terms of what we know and what we we are almost sure they're capable of, is in a better position. Kansas State wins the game against Oklahoma. That They were certainly talented enough and certainly did enough, but it was a freak game with Oklahoma's kicking woes. Mm. And then outside of that, they beat a whole bunch of nobody impressive, right, at this point? I would agree with that. And both times they played on the road. It was the weird game against Oklahoma. Again, Kansas State earned that victory. They played well enough to win that game. It was a strange game. They get by last second Iowa State on the road, and they lose to Auburn. They kill a bad Texas Tech team. They kill a bad Oklahoma State team, and they run away-ish against a pretty bad Texas team. So at this point, this is a Texas team that's not even 500. So at this point, we know more about TCU and their ability 
to both score and hang with Baylor and almost beat Baylor. And then also the way that they've dismantled teams to go to West Virginia to get by granted. It's very similar to what uh, Kansas state did against Oklahoma. I just think TCU at this point, having beaten Oklahoma, there's a, a good common opponent. We know more about. Okay. So you're taking TCU. I'm taking TCU. I'm taking TCU in a very similar outcome just because Kansas state takes advantage of mistakes so well. And TCU is good enough at forcing turnovers and not making a ton themselves. I'm going to say 34, 27. What is the spread at this very moment? We're I've doing got the it show? at six here. Okay. So I had it five and a half when I did easy calls to show on SB nation.com website. Let's go. It's let's go a touchdown 34, 27, 35, 28, somewhere in that realm. So you like TCU essentially for the same reason. I like Oklahoma over Baylor. More of a yeah. proven commodity. I, and I, I dig that. I dig that. If we know more about you in early November, that is a meaningful thing. Sure. This is going to be a tight game. This is going to be a tight game. Yeah, TCU's played the other three top teams in the Big 12, as Chris mentioned in his segment. The margins of victory were three, four, and one in no particular mm-hmm. order. All right. Now they got K-State. It's a defense that's good enough to take Trevon Boykin out of rhythm, just like West Virginia last weekend. Just like they did against Auburn. Yeah, sure. K-State's good enough to take almost anyone out of rhythm. That's just mm-hmm. what they do. That's how they win games. Yep. And I do think this team is good enough to win this football game. With all the steam on TCU right now, it is really easy to forget that K-State leads the Big 12. They've got just one loss this season. It's only and to it Auburn. Wasn't, right. It wasn't in the Big 12. Correct. I think K-State wins this game outright, Dan. Wow. We this, disagree. This is the last chance for TCU to lose this season. Yeah, it's very rare that we see, by the way, just in terms of pure entertainment, close game. Rare to see two very, very well-coached teams that aren't necessarily chock full of four and five-star type players, but are developed and coached up. Very rare to see a blowout in this scenario when there's so much discipline, yep. so many fundamentals on display. And much like the way we talk about LSU before seemingly every season when they lose everybody, like they're going to have stars on defense. We just don't know their names yet. I'm almost at that point with TCU. And this year it's McFarlane, Paul Dawson, Kevin White, Hackett, all these guys. These guys are not just good. These are these are great players that are going to go upper rounds of the NFL draft, much in the way Jason Verrett did this past season. And uh, I'm trying to remember other TCU players that have um, the, the past. Ladanian Tomlinson. Ladanian Tomlinson. I was thinking of defense players, but yes. Andy Dalton. Uh, def- yeah. Well, well, okay. That's fair enough. He does enough for NFL defense is where right. I feel like that's true. That's right. Okay. So you like TCU. 34-27. Chris likes TCU to win the game, but K-State to cover. And I'm going to get a little crazy and go K-State to win the game outright. There it is. Let's move on. Um, it was Jerry Hughes who I was thinking Jerry of, Hughes, by the way. Yes. And Devontae Fields would have been that person had he still been on this team. All right, let's continue jumping around. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Alabama at LSU. This game is at 8 p.m. It's on CBS. LSU is a six-point home Dog. Now, you may remember if you've checked Twitter, this game is the third leg of Verballer Ben's super duper SEC chaos scenario. Now, yep. we tweeted this one out after we got it. I tweeted out a picture of it. It has since been retweeted somewhere in the neighborhood of about a thousand times, which yeah. is nuts. Maybe the, crazy. Maybe the most successful tweet of all. And we had nothing to do with it. The first two legs of the chaos scenario were LSU beating Ole Miss and Auburn beating Ole Miss. Both of those have since happened. Mm -hmm. 
the next leg in that scenario is LSU beating Auburn, followed by Alabama beating Mississippi State, Ole Miss beating Mississippi State, and then Alabama beating Auburn. If that mm-hmm. happens, every team in the SEC West essentially has two losses, maybe with the exception of Arkansas. So who are you rooting for here? Are you rooting for chaos or are you well, not rooting for chaos, Dan? Well, in, in, in Alabama games, I, I certainly look for sad faces on the sideline, mostly on the, the faces of Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin, just because it's such great gift fodder. Sure. Um, I, I just root for good football. I don't want to see this be a sloppy game. I like LSU a little bit more than I thought I would going into this game me a too. few weeks ago. Me too. And does that make you uncomfortable? Because it makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, because LSU doesn't have a quarterback. <laughs> right, exactly. And... LSU has shown in a bit like there are years and years of proof that LSU doesn't need a quarterback to win big games. And it's a rare situation when you have a defense that talented and running backs in an offensive line, you just don't see teams with below average quarterbacks beat Alabama too often. I mean, maybe nine to six. Yeah, that, exactly. That's a thing that we've seen recently. But aside from that, that's a worrisome thing. The thing that I like about LSU is they've gotten better and better throughout the season as the season has progressed, especially on defense. And a lot of people look to their inability to stop the run as an issue that that LSU has had that they haven't had in years past. But LSU is actually pretty decent against the run. They struggle against Mississippi State, LSU and Wisconsin, and pretty much everybody does. But aside from those games and they've gotten better. I think LSU is certainly, I would say, above average against the run. And Alabama as a team running the ball, even with TJ Eldon and Derrick Henry, especially in SEC games, and they've had a beat up offensive line in front of these running backs, but pretty average. And when we've seen an Alabama team not be able to run the ball, we've seen an Alabama team that scores 14 points or 17 points. And LSU can certainly hang with that number. So I look at LSU as a team that can slop this game up, that can turn over Blake Sims a little bit, maybe in a similar way that um, Florida did, whether it was fumbles of receivers or picks or whatever. I think LSU can make this an athletic contest, can run an Alabama a little bit, um, maybe hit pop a few play action passes over the top of a not that great Alabama secondary. I'm going to say 17-13 LSU. Wow, you're going outright. Outright. And I think Bama's favored by six, six and a half, right? Six points. Yeah. Six points outright. They're winning by four, man. You're getting ballsy on me, Dan night in Baton Rouge. It's actually not that crazy. I know I'm squirming over here because I wanted to take, <laughs> I really wanted to take LSU. Cause I'm, I'm like really happy for LSU. I really am because all these other teams there are way too many teams out there, right? You watch them play and it's just glaringly obvious. They don't know who they are. They have no idea who they are. They have no identity like Maryland. Maryland's a team that constantly gets stuck in my craw. I think LSU is super self-aware. I agree. Yeah. You know, that's my point. I think LSU like went off to college or Europe or like uh, Bonnaroo or so. They found themselves somehow, some way. Yeah. In the desert. They tripped on some some peyote. They, they had an epiphany. Yeah. And you're right. It's a different team now than it was a couple of weeks ago. They would be more than content if they could get away with it mm-hmm. to run the ball like 67 times. Sure. Three great backs. Really? I mean, they, they'd be great with that. Alabama's got a good defense. We all know that. But if somehow LSU could get away with that, they'd be cool with it. Mm-hmm. If somehow they could find a way to muddy it up on defense enough to keep this one low scoring, they'd be cool yep. with it. As mm-hmm. you said, they've got a long storied past of doing that under less miles. Yeah, they're not keeping up with points. They're not winning this game 34-31. 
Absolutely. So I, I still have questions about the run defense. I know you kind of discounted it, but I those are all good they're, teams. That, they're average against really good teams, and they're outstanding against unranked teams, which Alabama certainly is not unranked. But it's not. it would be very concerning if they were average against unranked teams, is what I'm saying. They're like 13th against the run against unranked teams. So that's at least something. That That, that is something. I'm, I'm just not convinced. Alabama is a team that if they want to, even though they haven't always proven it, they can pound it down your throat. They have the mm-hmm. artillery to pound it down your throat and then beat you up over the top of the play action. So I, I don't know. I'm going to take LSU to cover as well. I'm not going to get as ballsy with it as you. I say Bama wins like 21-17, somewhere in that range, a low-scoring game. All right. Here's why I think it's low-scoring. But you like LSU to cover. I like LSU to cover. All right. Bama does not need to be conservative to win this football game. No. But I think they will be. I think they will be. I think the combination of it being a big SEC West clash against what's turned into a rival, the combination of it being... At night in Tiger Stadium, I think that keeps this game really conservative. LSU is good enough, good enough, excuse me, to muddy it up, keep it low scoring. Okay. And I will root for LSU to win because I want Ben's chaos, <laughs> chaos scenario to come to fruition. It'd be it'd be cool if we got like four legs into this thing. Yeah. And it was still alive. Next I week, would, we've I got like Alabama against Mississippi State. So we'll have another shot at it. I haven't heard of either of those schools. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's go to Notre Dame. Oh God. Let, let's go to Tempe. Tempe, Arizona, three thirty. Yeah. ABC Notre Dame, a two and a half point road underdog against Arizona state. You want to talk about elimination games. This is another mm-hmm. one. Um, I like how you pronounce that elimination. I'm trying to Ildenbrand. Ildenbrand. emphasize yeah. my words. Did yeah. you have fun dissing Notre Dame while I was gone? I listened to the show. What did I do? You were tweeting they weren't a top 10 team. They're not. That's okay. Was that fun for you? Did Season's you enjoy that? not over. Three true road games, Ty. So what? That's exciting. So what? <laughs> it's exciting. I, there's nothing. So they, I, I was just pointing out a Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. What do you got? Are they not top 10 because of their schedule or because of the team themselves? Um, They're not top 10. Well, like potentially, yes, they're top 10. They have the ability if they if they run the schedule, if they look impressive against Arizona State, Louisville and USC. Sure. Top 10 Um, at this point with their defense consistently sort of disappointing um, and offense looking when when their offense is clicking, they're almost as good as anybody in the country and can hang with anybody in the country. When did the the defense disappoint? Uh, How was it against North Carolina? That was a letdowns or a look ahead spot. <laughs> oh, is that Big what it time was? Look ahead. I called that one in March. I know you did, but that doesn't, you should have told the team. Why are you just telling I me? I tried. I was, I have the national podcast. Sure. Um, and Navy was a look ahead spot too. <laughs> okay, it's always well, a look ahead spot. They play Navy every year. At it's a certain always point, a look ahead aware. spot. Every year. Okay. Well, I would say top 10 teams don't have look ahead spots. All right. Well. That's a lot of points. It's a lot of yards. And I, I don't fully blame them for struggling against that. The option for Navy, but not everybody struggled against the Navy option this year. No, Notre Dame's got a Boise state problem this year. What is their problem? Oh, they need to blow out everybody and look. Well, not, not just game. that they, they could well be a top five team. Yeah. They have no way of proving it. Um, yeah. And, and for that reason, because of their schedule and how some of the teams they thought would be good and aren't Stanford, um, they need to win games 41 to 17 and not 49 39. Okay. 
Let's move on to this With game. With no conference championship game as well. Let's move on to this game. Please. Notre Dame, two and a half point road dog against ASU. Notre Dame lost Joe Schmidt for the season. They did. Best Joe linebacker. Schmidt. Yeah, he was their best linebacker. Maybe not athletically. Jalen Smith clearly has oh, yeah, a, yeah. Has a leg up in terms of Ceiling. that. But, but Schmidt was really the glue guy of the mm-hmm. defense. And if you know anything about his story, a former walk-on, he'll be invited back next year for a fifth year of eligibility. But this is a bit of a big deal because he was the cog that made the defense work. Now Notre Dame, I think, needs Jalen Smith to step up into that role to be that vocal leader. They also need a true freshman by the name of Niles Morgan to step up at middle linebacker. He's a a former four-star recruit, great speed. They say he's got football intelligence off the charts, high ceiling and all. The problem is that he's young. Yeah. And he blew some coverages last week against Navy when he had a chance to come in there and play. Mm-hmm. It will be very interesting to see how Brian Van Gorder uses him in this game. I Is he going to put him in coverage? Is he just going to be kind of turned loose and asked to blitz the entire game against Taylor Kelly? Brian Kelly right. kind of hinted at that. Right. Um, I don't know because he's in the middle of the field now and ASU could potentially kill Notre Dame over the middle of the field. That's what Florida State did in spots. This is a very big matchup right here. Mm -hmm. What happens with Niles Morgan? What does Notre Dame do? How do they hide any potential immaturity there? I I don't know. That's a concern for me. On that note, let me ask you another question. Please do. Why so much love for Arizona State? Um, They've beaten teams that are decent enough and I think they are outperforming some of their preseason expectations and I don't know if that's fair or not but beating Stanford beating I think they handled Washington quite impressively right Mm -hmm. these are all decent teams these aren't good teams Um, and in the way that they're doing it they're they're playing much better defense than what was expected of them I'm trying to pull up their schedule if there's anything I'm forgetting because they didn't play anybody in the non-conference um and they had the huge laps against UCLA they barely get by USC with the Hail Mary um and they just they look solid in a landscape where so many teams are so up and down they had one blip and the rest of the season they've been pretty good uh defensively they've been a lot better than expected they blitz from all angles they blitz a ton they might even blitz over half of the time so they're keeping scores low they're making quarterbacks make quick decisions a lot of whom are not doing so well but again the quarterbacks they're facing outside of Cody Kessler and and Brett Hundley haven't been all that great Uh, and partially it's because of Arizona State's defense they've they've won even without their starting quarterback who's still getting healthier and healthier It, it seems like there are enough pieces to like and they keep winning they've won they won how many games? They were there seven and one. There yeah. are only so many one loss teams that go around in the country at this point in major conferences. And almost by default, by beating ranked teams, again, something sure. that Notre Dame is yet to do. I agree. They are there. It's They're tough, right there. Tough to deny that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that's the reason why. I don't feel like ASU is this juggernaut, though. I, I feel Definitely like we're, not. this is a bit of a bubble right now. That's about They also to won the Pac-12 South last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's a good so team. They're, they're I like a, ASU. They're a proven winning program in the Pac-12 at this point. Third best conference in America. Whatever you say. <laughs> Whatever you say. It's you know Notre Dame's still in the first best. They're in the best half conference. The best half conference. Yeah. So okay. yeah, they have. Okay. My actual yeah, analysis. What's your, pick? what's your pick? My pick in this game is I think Notre Dame wins outright. 
I think the best player, I know the best player on the field, unless you think it's Jalen Strong, which I don't, is Everett Golson. Agreed. And if he's able to pick apart and pick up ASU blitzes, I, I like a lot of what ASU has on defense and what they've developed into November. But Notre Dame with the run game, with a defensive front that won't be playing against the option, with a quarterback who's still healing. I'm not crazy about Notre Dame's secondary. I can't imagine that you are at this point, but I think ASU has been held down enough and they're not scoring a ton of points against Stanford, Washington, Utah, these teams that are decent. They're getting by with defense and timely scoring. I think it's tough to just win on that against a team, a top 12 ish team like Notre Dame. They who are decidedly better than I would say everybody on ASU schedule thus far. So I think Everett Colson has a great game. I think they're balancing offense. I think they get, one to two turnovers. I think they win the turnover battle and ASU really can't run the ball consistently or hasn't shown an ability to. And I think against a team as good as Notre Dame is, you have to be able to be balanced. I don't think ASU is good enough. So I, I'm going to say Notre Dame by 24, 20, 27, 23, something like that. Okay. Arizona state Daniel is a sucker bet, a okay. sucker bet for a couple reasons. First off, who here is intimidated? Raise your hand if you're intimidated to go on the road to ASU for a 12:30 local time kickoff. I think ASU is really good. Are you raising your hand? Are you intimidated by that Sun Devil no, Stadium? No, it's, it's not. It's not a similar atmosphere that you know Notre Dame faced at Doak against Florida State. No. Secondly, Taylor Kelly. We talk a lot about Taylor Kelly. He's a good quarterback. He has been just okay. Since coming back from injury. Now, yeah. part, part of that's been they've played some better teams, some better defensive teams. And, mm-hmm. and that could be a huge part of it. Yeah. Notre Dame won't be able to rush him like Utah was able to. Mm, I think they might try. Really? I think With they're just their try. front four. They can do that. What Utah did. Utah might have the best duo of defensive ends in the country. I think they're going to bring the heat on him. And it might okay. not be just the front four. Right. I think that's the difference. But I, Utah I think, can drop into coverage. I think a big part of the reason why Kelly, Kelly hasn't looked as good is because the offense maybe was better with Mike Bercovici. Possibly. I think I think Kelly's ceiling is still higher. I think he, there's there's more trust that uh, the Arizona State staff has in Kelly. I, I think they're going to see a lot of heat here on the okay. Arizona State side. ASU also doesn't play any defense. You know, it's easy to look good against Stanford and Utah, but this is a Notre Dame team that can score points. They're going to score points here. I don't like picking the team with the worst defense in the game. In October, who's who's who has a worse defense in their in their sort of the meat of the past four weeks or all of the past four weeks? It's easy to have a good defense when you're playing against teams that have no offense. These are ranked teams at yeah. the time. Yeah. Arizona State is 18th. Notre Dame is 30th. Okay. In October. Just making sure you that is a thing I, that I, exists. I, I'm duly noted. Okay. I will close with this. Notre Dame's good in these situations. They've got Everett Golson. I understand why people out there want to root against Notre Dame. That's fine. Trust me when I say this. Notre Dame is good in these situations. Notre Dame wins the game big. Lock of the week. The reverse jinx is now officially dead. Notre Dame wins the game 35-17. If nothing else, can we agree on this about Notre Dame? It's nice that their fan base gets to watch this game at their early bird dinner. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like that, and I support that. I got you. Got to think of who's in your corner, and Notre Dame's doing that this Th- week. This is the closest I think we've ever gotten to getting a little chippy in a conversation. <laughs> That's not true at all. We're this doing, isn't chippy. We're doing something right here. This is this good. is true. Let's push and pull a little bit. Why not? All right. Eight o'clock on ABC. Oh, oh God. Ohio State at Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah, three and a half point God, home favorite. <clears throat> this game being played in Spartan Stadium at three twenty-five West Shaw Lane, East Lansing, Michigan, forty-eight eight twenty-four. Mm. Oh God, <laughs> like an eight-hour drive. Yeah, let me write that down. Yeah, Google Maps. How far away are you from that? I'm taking. I'm taking a wild stab at. It. I'm going to say eight hours. Eight hours. That's it. I'm looking up right now. Three twenty-five. You saw what is it? It's West Shaw S H A W. What is the, the address? Three East two, Lansing, five. Michigan. West Shaw. Nine hours. There it is. Okay. From Midtown Manhattan, how long of a drive would you say it is? Um, Google Maps is telling me ten hours fifty-two minutes. Okay. But that's that's including New York traffic. So I don't know what it would be if I did this at like type, 10 Type in from Allentown. I want to see how close I was. You said eight hours? I'm like eight. Yeah. I think it's six to get to Cleveland. Nine hours, 22 minutes. Okay. A little Not farther bad. than I thought. Not bad. So, all right. Do you think Ohio State has matured enough to go on the road to East Lansing and knock off Michigan State? Matured enough? Yeah. They matured because they've gotten better. Okay, in that way, matured enough. Yeah. Um, Not as a program. I'm talking as a team, a young team this year. Yeah, I mean, I think they're good enough to win a close game. I don't think they're good enough to score the number of points that, say, Oregon scored against Michigan State, but running a similar offense. I think Ohio State's good enough to win in, like, that 24-21 kind of way that they beat Penn State. Um, but I like Michigan state more just because of how well their offensive line has been, not just in general, but against the most formidable pass rusher they've seen thus far. And Joey Bosa might be the best player in Ohio state when they handled Randy Gregory quite well, uh, during the Nebraska game. If Michigan state can play four full quarters and Ohio state will try to gas them in the same way that Oregon did. They certainly have the speed and ability to, uh, to play with tempo. Um, if Michigan state's able to play four quarters, I think Connor cook is still probably the better quarterback in a big spot. And I, th- there's just more to like Taiwan Jones on defense, Shirley Calhoun, all these guys are battle tested more. So I think in these spots in Michigan state, frankly, they have Ohio state's number yeah. at this point. Yeah, and this right. game is in East Lansing, Ohio state, JT Barrett going on the road in a tough place to play against a good defense. I'm going Michigan state to cover the spread. You said three and a half, three and a half. Um, I forget what I said on easy call on espionation.com company, man. Let's call it 31 to 20 Michigan 31 state. 20. Yeah. I've got 24, 20 Michigan state in a close, Just barely one. covering, ba- okay. barely covering. Uh, what I don't know is whether the Ohio state offensive line can hold up against Michigan state's front. You, you mentioned yeah. it. I, I think that's the X factor because Penn state, Penn state to me was the cause for pause. I Ooh. went on, I went on rhyme. Yeah. I went on the SB nation, Ohio state podcast a couple weeks ago nice. before the Ohio state Penn state game with Matt Brown. This is the land grand Holy land folks. Land grand Holy land friend of the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was asking what I thought about Ohio state and Penn state. And my question then was, 
what's Penn State going to do defensively against this Ohio State offense? Because the Ohio State offense has looked really good. Mm-hmm. I was all in on Ohio State in that game. Right. And it nearly came back to bite me. Mm-hmm. The Penn State game really opened my eyes. Michigan State now coming off a bye. And you know Pat Narduzzi is going to figure something out. I'm going to figure something out. He's going to figure out some way to make Ohio State one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. I don't know which dimension it's going to be, Dan. Ohio State runs the ball really well. Elliot Samuel, yeah. And they've thrown the ball pretty well in spots, too. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I care which dimension Michigan State forces upon Ohio State. I don't care if they care him to throw. I don't care if they force him to run. Whichever it is, it's going to be one or the other. And I think that's enough for Michigan State to win because Ohio State needs both if they want to score points with Michigan State in this game. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Michigan State wins a close one, 24-20. There it is. Michigan so we State covers. We've got one game left, if I'm looking correctly. Well, I mean, there's like 50 games left. Right, but right, right. On one our, game we're going to go in depth about left. Uh, on our enhanced slate of analysis here. Yeah. 10 p.m. The Late mm-hmm. Late Show on ESPN. Yeah, the late, I like that. Oregon on the road yeah. at Utah, an eight-and-a-half-point road favorite. This is a weird game, Dan. This is an odd line. Um, letdown spot? I don't see it. Okay. I, I don't letdown see spot it. potential. It has potential. Utah does not have the firepower. Can we agree they do not have the firepower to score with Oregon? Yeah, particularly without Drez Anderson, their leading receiver out for the year. Correct. They've got a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Line seems low, though, right? Yeah. Um, Line's I, about eight, eight and a half? Eight and a half. Yeah, it's weird. I The only thing I see here is that maybe Oregon has a hard time winning the line of scrimmage. Like, maybe this is kind of like a Stanford E type Their of game. Their offensive line is probably a little bit worse in the, in terms of health than it was last week. Okay. There are some, some stories coming out about that. I really have no idea if they're true or not. Um. Stanford's defensive front wasn't healthy. Their nose tackle spot was tiny and Utah's defensive line is quite good. Now there are questions about Utah's defense behind that defensive line behind Hunter Dimmick and Nate Orchard. Their, their secondary hasn't been fantastic, but they keep teams low scoring, especially in Salt Lake. Um, the over under is about 60. The spreads eight. So mathematically that's what, like a, a 34, 26 type score is what Vegas is seeing as like the average betting line that they want to see people jump on either side of. Um, I would say Oregon takes this game 34 to 14. I think they're at the point right now where they can win in creative enough ways. They're deep enough. They're getting production out of so many spots offensively. The line has certainly taken a step forward post injury. The play calling has gotten better on both sides of the ball. And at a certain point, unless you are fielding, a top three, four, five defense in the country. You have to show an ability to score. Arizona was able to score. Um, and I think what did they score 30 against Oregon. Yeah. I don't think there's any way. How many points minimum do you think a team must score against Oregon to win? 31. Yeah. Somewhere in that 29 to 33 range. Yeah. And Utah, how many times do you think they've scored 30 points this season in the, in the pack 12 in the pack 12? Yeah. None. They scored 29 in double OT against what could be the worst team in the Pac-12 in Oregon State. Oregon Granted, State. that was on the road. Yeah. Their last, their last, all of their point totals in the Pac-12 are as follows. 27, 30, 
29 in double OT, 24 and 16. I just don't see it. As, as good as I think Utah is at a lot of things. Devontae Booker is great. The defensive line is great. It's just, and part of their offense, their offensive line isn't great protecting Travis Wilson, but they can drive block relatively well in, in, in run blocking. I just don't see a way that Utah, yeah. as dangerous as they could seem, because they match up well. They're going to go straight at Oregon's defensive front, like a lot of teams have tried to do, and Stanford has been like the lone team to succeed. I think Oregon takes it. Yeah, by about 20. But I think it's it's relatively close uh, for a good chunk of the game. I, I agree with most of what you're saying. Is that when you're supposed to take the points then? Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to take the points here. I think Oregon wins 31-24. Um, you know, you factor in, maybe you factor in the elevation. Sure. Of Salt Lake City. Oregon's in good cardiovascular shape. I don't know if you've seen them play this year, but yes. 4,226 feet to be exact in Salt Lake City. Okay. Uh, maybe it's the craziness of the ultra late night. Is that Rice Eccles? Rice that Eccles Utah Field. Stadium. Yep. Okay. How long uh, of a drive I, do you think it is from Allentown to Rice Eccles Stadium? Rice Eccles Stadium. It's about a thirty-eight hour drive from here to Los Angeles. I would say to get to Rice Eccles, twenty-one. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. One day and seven hours, twenty-one hundred miles. I was way off. Yeah, you'd be going through PA, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, a little bit of Wyoming, and then right into the Beehive State, Utah. Yeah, that was a bad guess. Because to get to New Orleans from here, I did that. It's like 19. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm going to say Oregon wins like 31-24, maybe a backdoor cover. You know, Oregon wins, but Utah is feisty. This game, to me, is actually going to say a lot more about Oregon than uh, than about Utah. I'm just... I am not totally sold on Oregon yet. They look really good, but I want to see I want to see how this team looks defensively. I, I just I need to see them hold the team down to like four points. Let's bet a breakfast. Bet a breakfast, not bed and breakfast. Yes, please. Let's bet a breakfast. I think uh, if we're going to take an over under of 21 points, I'm going to take the under for Utah. Oh, God. Do I have to go over? Well, you just said 3124. Damn it. All right. <laughs> All right. Just like a, a, a modest breakfast, though. I'm getting, I'm getting a, uh, let's see, what will I get? Uh, I'm going to get a mimosa. How about that? Damn it. I can't believe I got to go over that. <laughs> what other games are on the docket here? Is there anything jumping out at you? Well, Ty, you know, everything jumps out to me. Sure. Um, yeah, there are a few games. I think actually, no, there are more than a few games in terms of ranked teams. Clemson's playing. They say Deshaun Watson will be available. That's the Thursday night game, but won't start. And Cole Stout also beat up, but that's at Wake Forest, which shouldn't inspire too much fear. No, uh, Texas A&M Auburn seemed like it would be would have been a, a, a much more fun game a few weeks ago than it appears to be now. And that's at Auburn. That's on the plains. I think Auburn rolls in that one. Texas A&M starting Kyle Allen because Kenny Trill, QB Aggies is suspended um, and wasn't going to play anyway. I don't think right um, outside of that, both Mississippi schools aren't playing anybody. UCLA goes to Washington, UCLA really actually looking fantastic last week, particularly on defense against Arizona. They made a new Solomon look really bad. I think UCLA should be able to handle Washington, but um, under under told story in college football, Shaq Thompson, stupid good. 
Yeah, he's good. Shaq Thompson is stupid good and possibly the most talented pure athlete in college football at this point. Um, possibly. We'll see. Uh, Georgia Tech, NC State. NC State getting their first win under Dave Dorn in the ACC. Georgia yeah. Tech, as soon as we think they're good, they lay an egg. Yep. And they're going to Raleigh. Who knows what could happen there? Other than that, the ranked games aren't really speaking to me in terms of having to go out of one's way to watch. Um I'm looking through here. Iowa, Minnesota, Iowa secretly after actually showing a lot of offense against Northwestern yeah. is now appearing to be a somewhat dangerous team. They're favored by a point against Minnesota. Penn state, Indiana doesn't do much for me. Um, Duke Syracuse could be a little bit fun. Duke sitting at seven and one, not bad sitting in a very nice postseason looking position. Um, as I scroll, there's not honestly, Tyler, there's not. Can you say your last name again in Spanish? Ildenbrandt. I like that. The late game San Jose State Fresno State isn't going to be all that fun, which leaves us, Ty. Yes. I'm going to need a favor from you. And Please. I don't want to ask too much of you now that you've only been back for a few days you can from ask, Mexico. You can ask me anything, Dan. We've been friends for years. As soon as I finish saying this phrase, yes. I'm going to need you to drop that big, stanky, sweaty, slimy, slithering, stanky drum and foif. Ty, I've been talking about this week for a long time this season. A long time. Friday night. Friday night lights. The, the, the Super Bowl in the Pat League. Fordham, the team of New York City, the one true team of New York, traveling to I believe it's Lewistown, Pennsylvania. Yes. Is that where Bucknell is located? It's somewhere around there. Eight and one Fordham, undefeated in the Patriot League, going against Bucknell. Seven and one, also undefeated in the Patriot League. This is the game we've circled in highlighter, in red pen, red marker, various shades of Crayola crayons for a long time. Friday night, if you don't have plans, and you are in the greater Lewistown, Pennsylvania area. What are you even doing with your life? Get yourself into a seat. Fordham Bucknell. Love. Love Fordham on the road here. I yeah. really do, Ty. I real Fordham's been rolling. Bucknell's struggled a little bit. Struggled with Lafayette recently. Saturday, though, a doubleheader. You know how in the World Cup they don't let teams play too far apart because right. they don't want games being thrown. Well, that's what's happening here. 12:35 kickoff. Lehigh Holy Cross. A combined five and twelve. Let me repeat that five and 12, which means one of these teams is going to win either a third or fourth game this season. You know what, Ty? Just because I adore fiance Kate. So I'm taking Lehigh here. The Crusaders let me down week in and week out. I'm going Lehigh. First of all, who do you like in Fordham Bucknell? I was going to say we would have led with Fordham Bucknell, but it was all your fault. You wanted to lead with another game. Um, That's true. I am going to take... I am going to take Bucknell. You're taking the Nellies. I'm going to go against my gut. I'm going to set this artificial line at Fordham minus 13 and a half. Wow. I'm making intense. this up. I know nothing about either team, but let's right. go. I'm going to say Bucknell wins the game outright. You think they're going to be soaring in the Nellisphere? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, they're going to be soaring in the Nellisphere. Who doesn't like game. to soar in the Nellisphere? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're already obviously throwing down the barricades and uh, prepping the riot gear. For uh, for downtown Lewis, is it? Should, can you check? Is it in Lewistown? I really I believe don't it's in get... Lewistown. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's in have that you area. Been to Lewistown? Yeah. How is it? Eh. Can you get good uh, uni 
in Lewistown? <laughs> I think they've got a Bob's Big Boy in Lewistown. You know what? I respect the hell out of Bob's Big Boy. Along, chili spaghetti? Chili cheese spaghetti? I respect I-80 that. I-80 in North Central Pennsylvania. Um, all right. So who does Lehigh play again? Lehigh plays the Crossaders. They go to oh, the God. Cross Dome. God. Lehigh two and six, sitting at one Pat League victory. Holy Cross three and six, also sitting at Crossaders. one Pat League victory. You're going. taking the Crossaders. You're going against Beyonce Kate. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Beyonce could- Kate, by the way, I'll have you know, <laughs> uh, just just lit into me. Ooh. Because uh, I implied on our video show that she didn't know how many points a touchdown was worth. Beyonce you know Kate actually comes from a. Family, she has a football stock. A family of football stocks. So, yeah, I she she knows probably as much about football as we do. As I've always said about Kate, she is a strong woman. No. She is a strong, smart, fiercely independent with um, great reasoning and sensibilities. There you, go. there you go. What other games we got here? Lafayette, the pride of the solid verbal. The pride as a Lafayette Leopard legacy myself. That's three L's in a row. They are taking on Colgate. Gators against the Leps. Colgate hosting Lafayette. Both of these teams sub 500. It's anybody's game. It's starting at 1 p.m. because they do not want one of these teams. Lehigh, Holy Cross, or Lafayette, Colgate. They do not want them throwing this game. Lafayette yeah. I feel like is the easy call here. Yeah. I feel like Colgate is a just, it's a, it's a mountain of clown fraudery. I'll go Gators. What the hell? You're going Gators? Yeah. I'm going the Yetis. I'm going Leopards. Okay. I, uh, I'm going Lehigh Lafayette Fordham and I feel great about it, Ty. I'm not even thinking twice. Is that it? How many weeks away are you from Lehigh Lafayette and Yankee Stadium? Uh, that game is November 23rd or 22nd. It's my birthday weekend, actually. With whom are you going to that game? I'm going with fiance Kate and a bunch of uh, Lehigh alumni. Do you get along with them? Sure. You get along with her friends, Ty? Yeah, I get along with everybody. Ooh, your voice went up there. I'm not very controversial. You know me. I know you're not. No. Which which friends of hers, have the, has there been any no. sort of tension? No, no tension. No tension? No tension. You drink with them? You get drunk with them? Sure, I will. I haven't, but I will. You get along with the fam? Yeah. You said her brother played for Lehigh? Brother played for Lehigh. What position? Wide receiver. Is he taller than you? <laughs> Who isn't taller than me? <laughs> That's true. Did he ever give you the talk like, you hurt Kate? There's going to be a problem. He ever gave you one of those? No, but I feel it was implied because, it was again, implied. As, as a former college wide receiver, yeah, you know, he not only has height, he also has speed and just in general strength on me. I will say this before the show started. You were vehement in saying that Kate was way out of your league, and you're yeah. a lucky guy to have her. I am. All right. Very much so. so. I, I imagine you treat her well. I do. Thank you. How's, how's the wedding planning going? Wedding planning is going uh, going pretty well. You guys are going with the up with the register again. We're, you know, I could control this voice. It's an instrument. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we were just in Mexico for a wedding. Okay. Uh, so it was, was, I didn't remember if it was a wedding or a bachelor party. No, no. It was a wedding in Riviera yeah. Maya. A good time. A lot of fun. Yeah, how, let's, let's deep dive into that real quick. Um, Ate a ton of Mexican food. Oh, my God. Hold on. I've got a song for you. Yeah. You ate a ton of Mexican food. What, walk me through this. All you told me was you had hot sauce. Oh, it was like Mexican fire death sauce of some sort. Right. And I don't know what the rule of thumb is in Mexico. If the green is hotter than the red or vice versa. From where I sat, they were both ultra hot. So I'm, I want to congratulate you. Thank you. Thank you. On eating queen? Mexican Sounds food like in queen. Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it is. Thank you. What thank did you, you eat? Well, we had, t- I don't, first off, I don't know what it all was called. <laughs> But 
We ate a lot of tacos. Yeah. Ate a lot of burritos. Went to this place called Frida in the resort, which I don't know what that means, but was. Was this one of those all inclusive? It was. It was. Okay. Um, but tried a, a variety of different sauces ranging from habanero to chipotle to just red stuff with a rojo title on it. Um, <laughs> what was the best meal you had? Probably the Mexican restaurants. Right. Best meal. Like what was the dish that you had? Ooh. Wow. Was it tacos? Was it an enchilada? Was it a chile relleno? Chimichanga? Probably. Sobes? Probably the night I had uh, had the tacos at the Mexican restaurant, like the very what, fancy Mexican restaurant. What kind of tacos are we talking? Had a little bit of pork. Mm. Had a little bit of chicken. Had a little bit of shredded carnitas, beef. Al pastor. What are we doing here? Carnitas. Carnitas. Yes, that's the more shredded. Al pastor is the, the hacked off of the uh, the spit with some pineapple. Yeah, I had a little bit of everything. So okay. it was good. It was good stuff. I, I feel I've uh, I've now assimilated myself well into your culture of food. You get guac? Got guac, yeah. You go you go margs? What's that? Margaritas. Oh yeah. I had margaritas get- with some some sort of like foreign liquor in it. What did you what did you wear to the wedding? Was it warm? Wore uh, a white linen shirt or wow. white like cotton shirt and the linen pants. Ooh. So I was only like a fedora and nicer sunglasses away from being in the cartel. Did you come back tan? I got some color. That sweet olive tan? You go in the st- ocean? I still have the sweet office farmer's tan, though. Good. Yeah. Went in the ocean. Yeah. Good times. Snorkeling? You, you see any sea turtles? Did a little... Did a, it saw all sorts of critters. Saw a <laughs> barracuda. Sorts. You saw a barracuda? No. You golf? Didn't golf. Did not golf. golf. No. How was your Spanish? Horrible. Mm. Horrible. I couldn't say 11, like 15 minutes ago. How was the uh, the wedding itself? Good, good tunes? Was it outdoors, indoors? Good, a lot of Pitbull, Dan. A lot, a lot of Pitbull. Ooh, a lot of Mr. Mr. Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. Mr. Worldwide, yeah. Indoor, outdoor wedding. Outdoor wedding. Outdoor wedding. At sunset. Okay. Very nice. Her friend or yours? Um, It was my friend. Your friend? Yeah. How does she... It's, it's a male? She was in the wedding as well. Oh, Kate was in the wedding? She was in the wedding, yep. You were both in the wedding. Both so she's wedding. gotten close with the fiance and now That's bride. Right. That's right. Yep. It was a... It was a, 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 a you know, great affair. You lead a charmed life, young man. Thank you. Thank you. No All right. By the way, you never gave me your lock. Mm. Uh, uh, you know who I feel great about? That, that Who definitely isn't going to lose on the road in, in the Valley of the Sun? Mm. Notre Dame. Lock of the week. Is that not playing? Okay. <laughs> it didn't play. Let me try that again. No, that's losing effort. Where's my lock of the week? There it is. Lock of the week. I can leave that in, too. Oh, please do. All right. Well, Dan, this has been a fun show. Yeah, it has. And you know what, Ty? There's something we can't do. We can't do this show without the assistance of our listeners helping them and spread the word. Oh, no chance. We simply cannot. So can't quickly, quickly, I'd like to thank Mike Hofer, 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 something like that. Antonio Morales, Alex Tani, Chris K, Nancy Hooper, Rob Smeaton. Smeaton sounds like a fake name. Rob Smeaton. Um, Ty Hildenbrandt. Yes. He retweeted the show. He's a he's an affable young man. David Powell, Curtis Tarver, Peter Pope, the Pope. The Pope. We like the Pope very much. Uh, Shane Stambaugh? Yeah. 
Shane Stamba, Carl Turner. And I would say with almost no hesitation, with no hesitation, the number one verballer across the pond, Alex Ferguson. Freelance U.S. sports writer from SkySports.com. He's got a passion for college football, other U.S. sports, also Queens Park Rangers investing in higher power friends. I would say he's in a very friendly looking avatar. At View from America on Twitter. At View from America. And I'd be remiss if I didn't point one thing out, Ty. And as always, we ride. We ride with Brandon McKissick. I need to get a galloping horse sound on the soundboard. Yeah, please do. We do ride with McKissick. And for all McKissi. Yeah. Is, that, is that the plural, ver- plural form of it? I feel like it could be. Brandon McKissick. You're, you're fantastic, and we thank you for your support and your ongoing love. There it is. All right. Well, this has been a fun show. Thank you for welcoming me back with open arms, Dan. Thank you for coming back with open arms. Thanks again to our good friend Ryan Nanny for filling in in my absence. It was fun to listen mm-hmm. from a hammock under a palm tree drinking an adult beverage. Damn it all. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildenbrand here. Don't forget to give us a call at 408-Verbal1. Find us on Facebook, on FanCred, and, of course, on Twitter. We will be back on Sunday to discuss all of the Week 11 action. In the meantime, though, do enjoy the games. And until we talk to you next, by all means, stay solid. Pass!